I used to literally feel like I needed to put on armor and that I would like give myself a pep talk. And it was like, I was already going into the situation hot and it took me getting upset too many times to kind of question, why do I care? Alexander Z is an Oakland-based woodworker and artist. You can find her online at Alexander Z. With a degree in fine arts, she started her career as a display artist for anthropology. She creates and sells original works of art and leads hands-on workshops. Her debut book, The Way of the Woodshop, is available for pre-order now. Her work has been featured in Dwell, C Magazine, SF Gate, Esquire, 7x7, Desert Sun, Refinery29, and more. She invited me into the home she shares with her fiancé Antrim and her dog Jack to record this conversation. You're listening to This Guy's Legit. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Of course. I've always loved talking to you. I have so many questions that I want to ask you specifically about your business and sort of lift the veil for everyone else. Yes, I can't wait to share. So you just moved. You moved from an apartment to this beautiful house. What has that process been like for you? It's been incredibly training. (laughs) Uh, Antrim and I, this is actually the first time we're moving together. So um, I didn't realize how bossy I am. I am really bossy and I like things a certain way. And uh, it was definitely good for me to humble myself and let him have some control because it's his house too. And he has a great design aesthetic and I could loosen up when it comes to that. That's definitely been a bit of an eye opener because the places we've lived in have been mine before. And so this time it was our shared space. So it's been good. Definitely ready to just chill out and enjoy it. Take some space and sleep in. Go to bed early. Can't wait. (laughs) So you've been, you know, for the last couple of weeks, you've been in moving mode. You've been packing up, moving out. Did it, was it a long time planning or did it just sort of happen overnight? Completely sporadic. We were definitely not planning on moving at all because we're getting married this year. And so that's already um, a pretty big expense. But uh, my best friend Katie sent me this listing after I just randomly looked at a friend's place that was a bit too small and we fell in love with it. And Got it through a series of lots of hoops, but we we couldn't pass it up because it's a standalone house. It's quiet. Neither of us have been able to live in this kind of situation since we were kids and living with our parents. So we jumped on it, but it's been uh, definitely juggling a lot of things with big due dates with work and the shop and also trying to get everything in here and not feel like we're living in a disaster. Totally. So how have you been managing your time? Because I know that you've had some really big deliverables, you know, that, you know, big projects that have been at the, you know, you've culminated and then now you're handing them off. And then you've also been wrapping up your book and sort of maybe starting on some promotions for your book. Um, How have you managed your time? Um, I would have to say right now, I've not managed my time very well. And I am feeling the effects of it physically. I have taken on way too much. And I mean, I think it's good to learn these lessons throughout life where you kind of test yourself to the limits of what you can take so that you can set healthier boundaries for yourself moving forward. But I think these past couple months, I've taken on a lot. Uh, The book was a lot, a lot, a lot of work and a lot of brain space and a lot of energy. And um, there's 18 DIYs in it and shooting those and building those. It was so much fun, but shooting those in a sense of how I want the world to see them. 
So wrapping that up and then moving was a lot. And so I think maybe this weekend and the next couple weeks, we're going to try and reformat how we live mm-hmm. and take time that are either separate days off between Andrew and I, because he works in the shop with me and he has been very involved with the book and building the DIYs, even helping me writing some of them. And he shot almost all the photography. So we're such a team and are together 24 hours a day. So I think... We're going to start making some time for just time off together and time off separately so we can feel a little bit more recharged going into work or with house projects and not not biting off more than we can chew because that's what we've been doing. I think it's so smart that you've been able to, however you've been able to do it, you've been able to figure out that you need that because I think so many people, especially when they're in the building phase of their business, they just plow forward, plow forward, plow forward. And if you don't ever take a second to pause for a minute, you never know what you actually need. And that leads to burnout. And especially if you're working with a partner, it leads to resentments and it leads to like feeling like you don't have a relationship anymore because all you ever do is work and all you ever do is talk about work. So I think it's really, really fantastic, especially before going into your, your marriage together that you're, you're creating that space and starting to think about boundaries. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is such a learning lesson. There is no blueprint. There is no way that you should or shouldn't do it. It's different for every couple and every person. And we've been working together pretty solidly for almost since we met, but almost like full time for the past two years. And it has not always been perfect. There's been a lot of hiccups and, um, I, I'm very open and I talk a lot about therapy and I absolutely love going to therapy. I see my therapist once a week and this is the first time in my life that I've decided to go to therapy outside of crisis. I feel like the times in my life I've reached out to her or to her, whatever my therapist is, whoever that therapist is in a time of crisis where I can't carry what I have. And this time I kind of just wanted to, because of being a female business owner and running a business and being in a relationship and trying to get married, I kind of want to just make sure the brain machine is working right. And it's been so wonderful for our relationship and the tools that I've learned in how to run a business with your partner. And especially the fact that he works for me. That isn't, this isn't our business together. But the way that we, we run it, it is like it is our business, but it's taken a lot of work to get there and how to kind of check that at the door. Mm. When we come home, I'm no longer his boss, that we can assume roles of a male and female as well, which that has been a learning lesson for me because I am very, very male dominated. And um, I do bring that into the relationship, but practicing kind of flipping that and allowing for you know Antrim to be the man that he is and to let me be a female and that doesn't mean that I turn docile and weak but that I get to be a bit more nurturing and slow and kind of let Antrim take on um, a little bit more decision making or even when it just comes to heavy lifting that I don't need to be like okay I got this um But I mean, it's always a give and take and we don't have it mastered by any means, but it's been fun kind of getting to where we are now. And I feel like it's, it's only going to get better, hopefully with bigger projects and who knows what the future holds with us, maybe, you know, making it a family business. But for now, I think we're, we're finding a pretty good balance. That's great. And I think, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, 
more, you know, be a man, be a woman. I think, um, you know, maybe putting words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing is actually like living in a masculine energy and living in a feminine energy. And it's not about what a woman is or does or what a man is and does and should be. It's about that. Like we all have these dual aspects to ourselves, these energies, and they all have each energy and each way of being sort of has a tag attached to it. Like this is a decision-making is a, is a, is a masculine energy and nurturing is a feminine energy. But of course we all have the capacity to do all the things. So it's just, you know, as a business owner, you, and as a, as a woodworker, you're working with your hands. Like you live in your masculine energy most of the time, as mm-hmm. do I. And so it is so important when we're with our partners that we sort of back off of that energy a little bit to let them thrive as well. Mm-hmm. Cause we're so like, we have our dream, we have our goal. We like put our heads down and we make it happen. And at the same time, they're trying to do that too. And so you put two people like that together in one space and it can become, um, it, it, it can become too much for everybody. So what I hear you say, you know, that when you come home, you try to like scale back a little bit to let him sort of, sort of rise. Exactly. In another, it's, I think that that's a really important thing to consider. And also, I mean, this book that I wrote this year definitely changed a lot of the ways that I had perceived myself and what I believed I need to put forward facing as a business owner, as a female and doing what I do. Um, in building a business, like you said, there was a lot of masculine energy and running forward, not stopping, pushing with the work and it being kind of a manual labor type of work. Um, I kind of, I took, took some time back to look at it and brought back in a feminine nature to it because I am female and, uh, that is what, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be who I am and, that is also strong, that there are so many characteristics within being a female that are just as strong as the masculine. Um, And so I'd kind of pushed that away uh, because I felt that I needed to be overtly masculine to even prove myself in a Mm. woodworking industry. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of bring that femininity back into my business and into my work, and it's almost like a softer touch, a softer gaze when I look at what I'm doing, it's helped me bring that back into my relationship in my home life that when I do come home, that I don't need to keep asserting myself and that I can be the nurturer and I can, I can look at things with a little bit different of a perspective and innately in our, our, what we are made of male and female, you don't, you don't change that. You don't have to change that. And so to just come home and allow ourselves to be, um, has been, it's been really nice for Andrew and I, and I think a shift in our relationship too, um, and just watching him rise too, cause he's working on a business himself and making more space for him to do that has felt really important to me. Um, and it just, it's brought like a different level of unity. I feel mm. like to the relationship and to the house, it's like that threshold is almost sacred mm. that we walk into and it's a practice, um, to kind of drop the work at the door and, um, not every day do we do that, especially within the move. Cause the move has felt like work. But, um, I mean, even I'm just looking at you and looking beyond you is my front door and it does feel like a a sacred passage that we can drop our other sides to our personalities and come home and, you know, get back into like cozy life where we really do pay attention and take care and 
be a man and a woman, which is cool. I love that. Something that we talked about early on, one of the first times we ever spent time together, you know, you shared an experience you had, I think it was Home Depot or wherever, some sort of store. Mm-hmm. And you were there to pick up your supplies and you were there with Antrim. And um, I think you know where I'm going with this. I just want to sort of hear, I want you to share that story of, of you know, being a woman in a, in a man's world and mm-hmm. what that experience uh, has done for you and how you, how you move in the world so that that experience doesn't happen again. I mean, I feel like right now I don't I don't remember which exact story that was because there's been so many, uh, but there there is a couple that stick out in my mind. And um, one of the times was we were just kind of running into Home Depot to grab a sander because my sander broke, and um, looking for the right one, knowing what I want, knowing the brand that I want. And there's always you know someone in the aisles that's either a patron or someone that works there. You really never know. I want to say more times than not, it's patrons Mm -hmm. um, that will, you know, ask me like, sweetheart, what are you looking for? Or what kind of craft are you making? Or what are you trying to do? Uh, And those all used to be major triggers for me where I would be like Donald Duck and you could like see the blood boiling and the steam coming out of my ears because I felt like I needed to be respected and I know my way around Home Depot. Um... But I, one of the specific instances was we bought the sander and I was, I was walking up into line and paying and I think it was even a female checker and she was like, looked at Antrim and was like, enjoy your new gift. And he was like, oh, ha ha ha, it, this is hers. And she didn't really say anything. We both walked out and I was kind of huffy and, you know, he thought it was like, oh, you know, don't worry about it, which is how I feel about it now. But at the time I was like, no, you don't understand this, this is what it's like every time is that I'm either doing a craft or this like little sweetheart is somehow she's so lost. Um, and it definitely used to be a trigger. And now, honestly, like it's not, it's not my issue. It's not something I need to carry. It's usually a projection. And if, Mm. you know, my presence makes someone feel insecure, it has nothing to do with me and I don't need to carry that shit. Mm -hmm. There is so much in life that is heavy and going into Home Depot and not getting the level of respect I feel like I deserve is not a cross I want to carry. Um, I mean, basically, there. But what I do do on the regular is I do kind of like I dumb down how I dress when I go into Home Depot. I mean, I usually don't dress very feminine at all, but um, there is like a level of uncomfortable always going into a place like, um, and I don't want to bash Home Depot by any means, just a hardware store, anything like that. Cause you know, Lowe's and Home Depot, it's, it's not just one place in particular, but, um, on like a, almost like sexual harassment standpoint, um, I dress in baggier clothes and usually put on a hat because that is not a tension that I feel like I want to deal with Mm -hmm. just going to the store to get things for my business. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I am conscious about and that um, is a part of my routine when I do go to the shop and things like that. And it's not about not claiming my space as a female or any of that. It's just I don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is something that kind of preserves my mental state for the day. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's great. I think that paying attention to how we move in the world is is important. You know, if we don't want to have to deal with certain things, then we we figure out what they're going to be, and then we protect ourselves against them, and then we move on. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have to fight everybody we see. Mm-hmm. We don't have to constantly be making a case for ourselves. Um, and I think that that's something that takes time and maturity to understand. But, you know, you shouldn't have to feel like you're going into battle every single time you want to pick up supplies. Totally. I mean, it used to, I used to literally feel like I needed to put on armor and that I would like give myself a pep talk. And it was like, I was already going into the situation hot and it took me getting upset too many times to kind of question, why do I care? Mm. And I really don't care what these people think of me, the ones that are challenging me and asking me what craft that I do, that it's not about me and taking it personally is a waste of time. Yeah. And um, as much as I'm, I'm happy I went through those things to come to this realization that like really only put time into things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, of course, that comes with age and um, you know, we're not married yet. I don't have any children and I'm sure my worldview is about to change dramatically in the next couple of years. But even just maturing to this point, only taking with me what I need. Um, and it's no longer like a battle place, but I will say that places like Home Depot and Lowe's are way more pleasant on the weekends Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I feel like it's almost like family day Mm -hmm. and it's like family renovation day. And there's like an air of almost pleasantness as opposed to like the Monday grind with like, you know, lots of contractors, male and female that are on a schedule have to get certain supplies. Sometimes they're not there. There's like, you know, frustration almost. Sure. Um, so I am kind of learning that maybe save my supply shopping for Saturdays. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think it's interesting that you, that you bring that up because, you know, you are a worker just as they are workers in the same space. Mm-hmm. But because of the way you look, because of the way you maybe present in the world, they're not used to seeing people like you on the Tuesday in the contractor space. So I think it, I don't know. I think it's just very interesting how you are aware of it, how you modify against it and how you also just let it roll off your back. It's not your cross to bear. I like that. Thank I want to take you way, 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 way back to your childhood. Um, you know, have you always worked with your hands? Have you always been like, how did you, when did you pick up your first table saw? Like, how did you get into this field? So woodworking came a lot later. I have, um, I did write about this memory. I don't remember if it's like being cut out of the book or not, but I have a vivid memory of preschool and um, my favorite activity, I don't really remember preschool and like a lot of, you know, our first elementary years, but I remember we got these little cans that were probably like SpaghettiO cans with the labels off filled with water and a paintbrush. And there was this concrete wall and we would go paint on the wall with water because it would make it darker. And I didn't want to do anything else. All I wanted to do was paint on the wall with the water. And I loved that it would disappear and I could paint whatever I wanted and I could make a mess and it was just water. And um, so I think that that was kind of like my first time being one with my hands Mm. and almost innately knowing that like, oh, something flows out of these. This is what is gonna lead my life. And in and out, you know, of elementary school and high school was like art classes and kind of finding what I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to be an artist. And in college, I actually 
Um, I have a double major because I thought I was going to be a teacher, an art teacher. And halfway through college, after, you know, taking all the things you need to to become a teacher, I kind of decided that maybe I wanted to have it be more of an artist than a teacher. So I double majored in art. Um, and it wasn't until I got my first job out of college at anthropology that I like really started working with wood. Um, I lied on my application and said that I was proficient in all of these tools. I had some quick like crash courses my last couple months in college on how to use a miter saw, how to build a frame. I took classes at Home Depot, a deck building class. Uh, and when I got to anthropology in Palo Alto, that was where, um, I started really learning woodworking and falling in love with it because we had to. We had to build fixtures or window displays that had to deal with wood. And it was that medium that I was like, oh my God, I think I'm home. I think I found what I love. Um, and a big part of that was meeting my best friend, Katie. Katie Gong, she hired me at Anthropology, and she was getting promoted to a bigger store. And so I was kind of her apprentice for the first four or five months of that job. And we're soulmates, wifeys. She's the greatest human on this planet. And um, she's kind of what made me fall in love with being a woodworker. And she's a woodworker, third generation. And she's incredible, the things that she does. And she, she's kind of like one of the main reasons why I also fell in love with it. Wow. How amazing to have... Is that one of her pieces? It is, yes. Amazing. She ties wooden knots, which is That's wild. That's so wild. <laughs> yeah, I'll have questions about that that we'll ask another time. But, you know, I'm, I think it's really amazing that you were able to see someone doing it. And the the uh, the importance of representation and the importance of having role models and people who are sort of carving the path before you, so that you mm -hmm. feel like you see yourself. I can do this. Yes. What did that you know having someone that you could both look up to and learn from and also collaborate with and grow with? What was the impact that that had on you? I mean, Katie is such like a deep integrated part of my life. We. Like there's a cosmic connection between the two of us. And when I met her, it was almost like we both knew and she had so much to teach me. And she was a teacher that had, ne she was never condescending, mm. never made me feel like I was stupid for not knowing something is always like, Hey, you want to know the quicker, easier way to do this? And she would show me and, um, kind of learning and growing with her in that position, she had so much to teach me with in like, she has a degree in art as well. And that job in anthropology wasn't just woodworking. It was, you almost had to master every kind of craft there is. Mm. Every kind of like skill and artistry, you gotta get it right. And if you don't, your windows look a mess. And um, Katie was really amazing at kind of guiding me into that position. And she was incredible and like took off within the company. And I ended up leaving before her because it just, I quickly learned I have a problem with authority and I don't like being told what to do and I didn't want to make art that wasn't my own brainchild. Mm. And so um, I left and continued my um, kind of learn as you go what, you know, I've definitely been mostly self-taught and Katie kind of got my feet wet and mentored me. Um, but I, I quit to become a waitress so that I could free up more creative space and it wasn't much longer that Katie quit and we kind of joined forces and have shared studios for years and now are fully into our own businesses. But we were both very instrumental in each other's like beginning career as woodworkers too. And 
being ladywood workers, there really wasn't that many of us in the mm-hmm. very beginning. Now it's it's really cool to see how many other women are, you know, do this. And I've become more aware of women that have been doing it for years and years and years and years. Um, but kind of getting our feet wet together was, was really fun. And she's also one of my biggest supports, and I'm hers. And we're always brainstorming on how to problem solve a project or even just calling each other to rant about an experience. Um, it's been really, I'm very fortunate to have uh, my closest friend live near me and we, you know, supply shop at the same places and get to um, kind of inspire and encourage each other along. That's amazing. And you're incredibly lucky. I, I am lucky enough to have a couple people in my life who, like you described Katie, it's like soul sisters, you know, mm-hmm. but then all of mine moved and it's like, oh. <laughs> it's when, you know, when you're, when you're so inter, intertwined, intertwined, when your lives are so intertwined, um, it's such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I hope that that just continues for you guys forever because it's, you can't pay for that. You oh, know, that's, I just can't wait to watch her little Finn grow up. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So I, so you were at anthropology. You went to become a waitress so you can create, free up your creative space. How long did it take for you to just decide that, okay, this is my full-time job now. I'm a woodworker. I own my own business and this is me a hundred percent. Um, it was definitely, it was, it was a little while, um, about three and a half years. I worked as a waitress and it was a fun job where you can make a good amount of money and not have to work that many days. And um, I first started with my studio in the basement of my apartment building. And my landlord told me that I couldn't work out of there. And I did it anyways. And I pretty much did it until I got asked to leave and found out. Um, But it did take, it took me about three years. And I want to say almost the last year of waitressing, I felt this pull to the studio thinking, I could be making more of a profit if I was working in the studio. Work was starting to sell. I was getting more gallery shows. I was building up a clientele. Um, and I, it's funny how much Katie comes up when I do talk about my timeline, but Katie was actually at the restaurant and I was serving her. Um, and she was with our, our dear friend Tamar who was sharing a studio space with us as well. And they were having margaritas and I wanted so badly to sit down and have a margarita with them. And that was the day I told my amazing boss at Tacolicious. Uh, absolutely loved working at Tacolicious. It was a really, really fun environment. Everyone was so kind. Um, but I told my boss that I wanted to not work there anymore. And I wanted to do full-time woodworking. And she was almost in tears being proud of me and excited and was like, if you ever need anything or need cash, like you can always come back for a day and, it felt really good to take that leap, even though I knew I was, I was almost, I was more than ready. Um, but it is scary letting go of money, you know, is coming. Um, and so I did make that jump and the first couple of months were scary, but it's almost like you just, you get used to it and you figure out how to make that little bit extra more that you need to. And things just kind of grow from there because you know, your hustle needs to kind of be a little bit harder and you just get more hungry and you work harder. So what was your big break? Uh, big break? I, I honestly, I don't think that there was one big break. I think it was um, just gradually growing. I don't give credit to luck by any means. I give credit to hard ass work. Um, nothing about what I do is easy. And I don't want to say there was a big break. There was a series of amazing people that I met that supported my craft. I showed at a 
wonderful gallery called Luna Rianne in the Mission. Um, I had my first show ever at Bell Jar, which was a boutique in the Mission that um, now is only in LA. And also a good friend of mine, Benny Gold, bought one of my first big pieces. And he was a huge, huge, huge jumping off point to me. Um, starting to sell larger work because I made a piece for them that went over their king size bed and it was beautiful and um, so he was a huge part of my career and him and his wife have always been so supportive so I would say that there was a lot of stepping stones but um, I don't know if one big break I don't think that 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 was something for me Um, and it's just been a gradual grow and hustle which I'm so thankful for and um, I luck is always like I it's a topic that I feel like I talk about a lot because it's this you're so lucky and I am incredibly fortunate I'm incredibly incredibly fortunate to be able to live in the Bay Area and to afford to live um at a pretty comfortable state um because of my craft and I, I do acknowledge that um I in our political climate I do have it easier and I don't deserve to have it easier because of the color of my skin so um I, I do I do really um, feel humbled by the opportunity to create art and to sell it. And I do try to use my platform to the best of my ability to be a part of my community and share what I can and um, be of support and not be blind to the life that I live. I think that's fantastic. And I think that it's important to be self-aware. And it's, and I think that in a, in a person, in a position that you have created for yourself, I think it's important that you know that you have a platform and that you try to use it well. And I think at the same time, you're a hundred percent right. Like luck doesn't actually have, isn't real. You know, if you aren't prepared to walk through the door that is open for you, it means nothing. The mm-hmm. fact that it's open. So that's something I talk about a lot too. Like I don't actually believe in serendipity. I don't actually believe in luck. I believe in opportunity and I believe in grabbing a hold of it if you can and riding the wave, but you have to be ready to take it for it Mm -hmm. to mean anything. And you don't have to be hundred percent prepared. That is something that you don't have to be calculated that if that door is open, uh, it's either yes or no. And if you are a yes, it doesn't matter if your bags are packed or not jump through the door and you figure it out. Uh, that is, that's always kind of like an advice that I do give that, there is no right time to take that leap of faith that you do it and you make it work. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. And if it ends up taking way longer, that's okay too. It's all a part of the hustle. And honestly, I, I am so thankful for those times when I was only eating ramen and I could barely afford to eat. And I had maxed out all of my credit cards because I mean, now I wouldn't say I'm rolling in it by any means. And those credit cards are still pretty high, but to have that experience it makes what I'm doing now even more uh, fulfilling that Mm. I know what it's like for it to be harder. And um, it's not easy still trying to create and hustle and get to goals, but I'm I'm glad that I I was in the trenches of it for a while. So how do you recharge? How do you stay inspired? You know, when your work is your craft and your craft is art and you're working with your partner, you know, and your friends do the same, you know, similar job to you, like how do you recharge? Um, I think now that I am getting older, I used to recharge by kind of going out and doing things and being around a lot of people. And now my, my recharge is alone time. My, my recharge is, um, letting myself take a nap or even just like a quick self-care routine or allowing for myself to get a facial 
or to get a massage. Just quick little things that I can do by myself. I'm finding that alone time is what makes me feel whole and it makes me feel like I'm able to kind of shake off anything that was maybe bothering me a little too much that was unnecessary, um, check in with my mental state. And if I'm tired, if I'm too tired, then to actually acknowledge it and take a day off. Um, so alone time and, and obviously like getting out to nature, I talk about nature with my work all the time and being outside and the colors, that's what influences me the most. So if I can get outside and maybe do a quick hike or take Jack to the beach, but, um, that alone time is becoming really sacred. So what are you excited to try this year? Is there anything new that we can expect from you? Uh, yes. My book is coming out October 22nd, which is wild and terrifying and exciting. And I have no idea what that's going to be like. Um, I think I'm going to be teaching some workshops that are based off of the DIYs in the book, which will be new for me that, um, you know, teaching more than one person how to build a blanket ladder. Um, I'm excited. I think it's, I think it's going to be a whole new jumping off point for, you know, what this business could hold and, um, maybe, talking in front of large groups of people who knows um I think it's it's gonna be a lot of uh a lot of nerve-wracking moments but that's fun I'm always seeking to not be comfortable I want to I want to be a little bit uncomfortable because that means I'm growing and thriving so the book and getting married I mean getting married is gonna be awesome and I'm pretty much married already but we gotta have a wedding and a party it's amazing those are fun I can speak from experience I've, (laughs) I've done it once Um, so how do you decide if a project's the right fit? I'm sure that people are reaching out to you a lot. Um, you know, you've developed a platform, you've developed a following, um, and people probably want to tap into that. So how do you know if something's a yes or a no or a maybe? Uh, so much of it is kind of just experiment and you kind of go with it. I do, um, there is kind of this like mantra that I hold tight that if it's not a yes, it's a no. Um, So kind of remembering to be conscious about that, that if there is a gut feeling to go with it, um, I do get uh, project requests sometimes that are um, things that are not my own. And so anytime it's something that is from another artist, I make sure to let that client know specifically where they can go to get the real thing that, um, you know, I, I will never duplicate somebody else's work that if you want something that is my aesthetic, that you come to me. Um, and I know that that's not always the way it happens. And you do see a lot of my work, um, kind of everywhere, but that is how, that's the standard that I operate in. And, um, so if things don't feel genuine, I most definitely pass them up. Um, and I do right now I'm in a kind of in a phase of taking the things that really scare me and challenge me. I am at the end of a project that took a lot longer than I thought it was going to. And I'm, the designer is definitely, antsy to get my work but I've got four pieces that are 12 by 12 um 12 feet by 12 feet they're massive split into six panels um per piece and they're all going into a private residence in Big Sky Montana and hopefully I'll get to see pictures of them all together but it's going to be a massive installation I'm almost done and it was one of the most challenging uh projects I've ever built and I did a lot of it with Antrim and he's really good with geometry and these patterns are wild. So his kind of brain space in math, um, my math is not so great. And so he's definitely a huge part and help in the business when it comes to um, figuring out some complex patterns, but it's gonna be cool. What do you love the most and what do you love the least about being your own boss? Uh, I love the most that there is so much freedom to it. 
and that I do get to take that trip um, and go create elsewhere. And I, I can take that sick day, which is, you know, I don't have to check in with somebody and there's not an X amount of sick days that I get or personal days. Um, but the exact opposite other side to that of it never being off that running a business is 24 7 that if my computer is in the room I'm gonna feel a pull to open it and want to answer emails and want to stay on top of it but working around the clock is not sustainable so um that is definitely the best and the hardest part about it finding that balance of really trying to drop it off at the door and that means my computer as well um that's something I still I still struggle with not wanting to like be up until 2 a.m. every day answering emails so that I can zero out the inbox. I, it's, it's an unrealistic goal. If you could give other artist entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in the art space a couple piece of, pieces of wisdom, maybe like hard lessons that you had to learn, maybe you could save them a little bit of heartache and trouble. Do you have anything like that that you can pull up for us? Um, gosh, I mean, something just for me is not to take things personally not to take other people's criticism personally. Um, we're lucky that we live in a world where we can share our opinions and not everybody has to agree with us and agree with the things that we make, and that's beautiful. So to not carry that as something that hurts, um, I think that, that that's something that was a hard lesson to learn, that I my feelings got hurt a lot in the beginning. And I think when we're younger, we are so much more emotional and take things very personally um, and as you get older you realize what doesn't really matter but I think even when you create art and you make something you're vulnerable for putting it out there and if you're making a choice to put it out there and you want to make a life of it you will be critiqued and that's beautiful um, but there is a line between critique and bully and you know if 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 you are being bullied then you know for me it's it's not about fighting it's about just like peacefully dismissing myself from those situations so um, taking things personally and then also if if you are an artist and you want to make it a business you do have to put on your business hat it can't be all art and no computer time so learning how to be business savvy taking classes going to seminars um, I think is really important I wish I would have maybe taken some workshops about what the fundamental like just basic building blocks of owning a business, I think that that would have been really helpful for me instead of just being like, okay, I'm pretty much just feeling around in a dark room and we'll see if this works. Um, so that would definitely be some advice. I wish I would have even taken some business classes in college. That would have been great. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, learning business savvy and, and not taking things too personal. How will you know when you've made it? Oh, I don't think I'm ever going to make it. I don't ever want to feel like I've made it and kicked my feet up. Um, not, not to say that my life will be a nonstop journey of exhaustion, but that I always want to be changing and growing and evolving and working towards something new. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess I could say that I've made it to a point of my goal was just to be able to sustain my life and be happy off of my craft. And I, ha I am sustaining my life and I'm happy. Um, but my goals right now are just bigger work, things that really challenge me, maybe even making art in other countries and living there for a couple months at a time, who knows? Um, but I don't think it, it's not a race to making it. It's, it's more so personal goals to check off of a list. My life, I just, I just want to be happy and I want the brain machine to be in check. 
You've been listening to This Guy's Legit. This episode was produced by me, Rachel Dorsey, with editing by Drew Dorsey and original music by Taylor Joshua Rankin. This Guy's Legit is executive produced by Boningold. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe to get the next episode automatically. And if you really like what you heard, leave a review. And follow us on Instagram at This Guy's Legit. 